Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. And uh, we are here to talk about Zero Hour. We uh, It's funny, we were supposed to record this episode quite some time ago. And as we were gathering to talk about the episode before we started recording it, we realized that we kind of wanted to read Armageddon 2001 to get more context for the whole extant thing. And that spiraled into a conversation that led to us changing formats. So um, this is a long time coming, this uh, zero hour uh, discussion. And before we start, Zach and Vince, how familiar were you guys with zero hour before this had you read it before or were you just familiar with it from like wikipedia articles and whatnot vince you go first yeah i have never i'd never read it um i'm only familiar with it in concept and kind of the the aftermath of it i've read some things in the aftermath but never never the event itself zach yeah i had never read it um knew about it conceptually i knew who the villain was um and i knew kind of what it did but yeah i've never never read it before this i actually bought it in singles from like a mom and pop flea market a a long time ago but i think i read the first i may have actually read the first issue but I, i definitely did not read the whole thing okay i read this issue i read the series when it came out and I've probably read it four or five times over the last 25 years or so. Not necessarily because I love it, but just because a bunch of things that, I, that I've that i read and, are, and I'm interested in spun out of the event. So, like, for instance, when I started my Starman read eventually many years ago, I read Zero Hour first because I knew that Zero Hour led to Starman. Um, so, you know, I, I have a fair amount of history with it. Uh, not all of it great, <laughs> um, but <laughs> we'll get to that in a little while. So um, before we dig into it, what do you guys think? Uh, I, I was thinking about this last week, and I forgot to say it. I think we should bring back our um, Pole Pirate or Pulp rankings for these. Uh, we'll obviously talk in more detail than that, but sort of uh, let's start with that. Zach, would you pull Pirate or Pulp Zero Hour? I think I would pirate it. <laughs> Were you leaning more in one direction? Because you know, pirates in the middle. One. No, I think I'm square. I'm, I'm square in the middle with this one. Vince, I'm gonna say pulp. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into more of that later. Obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would say I'd pirate this. I, I would strongly pirate this. Um. A lot of that's nostalgia, and a lot of that is just, um, I understand completely what Zero Hour was trying to do, and I really respect what it was trying to do. I think it just botched the execution a fair amount. Um, so so there, there are tie-ins to this. There are lots of tie-ins to this, but we're not going to talk too much about them. But it, uh, there are three issues of Showcase 94 that sort of set the stage for this. Uh, Vince, is there anything in those issues you think is like necessary to understand this? Necessary? Uh, no, but I thought that you know, having not read the stuff that came before, there was a little bit of intro as far as okay, Hank Hall is the monarch now. Um, 
this is what Rip Hunter's doing. This is what Rave, Wave Rider is doing. Um, the, there, there was a good bit of setup that I found, like, maybe not necessary, but helpful. Yeah, it's helpful, Zach. Well, I mean, it does, like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all, but it does explain how Monarch <laughs> becomes extant. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does, but... It does, but like, what is the what is the meaningful difference of that? I mean, none. But like, yeah. if if you had gone from if you had maybe just read Armageddon, yes, and then you come into this, you're like, who who's this guy? Yeah, he's he's Monarch. What? Um, yeah. Also, I kind of I when we talked about this the the Armageddon issues, and we kind of talked about all the different. Um, you know, kind of like hand wringing, permutation, back treading things that they've done with the monarch thing over the over the years. There, there's a little bit of that in there where you, where you find out that he's been like merged with Dove's soul or something, um, and that's what causes him to become extant. Interestingly, I just read the issue of JSA last week that retcons that. <laughs> <laughs> JSA, I did not realize how much the first volume of JSA is just Jeff Johns getting his retcon practice in for the New 52. Uh. Every every second or third issue, something is majorly changed from the past and kind of just hand-waved away. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, I agree. I think those those showcase issues just act as a good primer to get you set up for what's going to be coming here in terms of extent and... um, and just sort of how the, the the time travel figures play into this. Um, also, Rip Hunter is just straight up Cable. Yes. Yeah. This, this era yeah. Rip Hunter is one hundred percent Cable. Yeah. He has the metal arm. He has literally the exact outfit. Um, he, did I did I cable. mention that on our uh, on our Armageddon chat? It's in my notes. I don't. Know I don't. If I, I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the whole idea of Zero Hour is that time is basically being erased from the future backwards. And uh, we don't know exactly why initially, but we see people um, just basically, you know, basically instead of the red skies of Christ's on Infinite Earths, we see like a white void that is just eating backwards through time. Which is not unlike the antimatter wave, honestly. Too. No, it's not. Yeah, it's visually. Yeah, it's not dissimilar to that at all. Uh, but the other effect of this is that we start to see anomalies popping up in the issue. So, for instance, we see the Joker is fighting Batman and Robin, and he's apprehended by Batgirl, um, a healthy Barbara Gordon Batgirl who would have been paralyzed for some time by the time of this issue, and she doesn't know that she's out of place and everyone else is kind of confused as to what's happening. And so we see this occur a couple of times. That's the most notable one in the first issue. Um, but we, then, then we, we begin to see, we check in at the vanishing point with the aforementioned rip hunter and uh, wave rider. And, you know, just the, 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 uh, the linear men just basically all saying like what they're all pulling a Jerry Seinfeld routine like what's the deal with the world why is <laughs> why is everything going away by the way R.I.P. Jerry Stiller time? yeah R.I.P. Jerry Stiller uh a true king there we go I'm raising my glass to him um but so 
we we then look to uh we see the flash and he is in the is it 25th century no it's 64th 64th yeah um the nintendo 64th century yes of course the the mario kart uh century (laughs) as it shall forever be known see i can do video games guys (laughs) yeah yeah um good for you you're welcome thank you uh so um and we begin to see time being eaten away and we see wave rider and the flash are going to try and stop this and as zach has pointed out there needs to be a flash element of every crisis and this one begins right away with that this is the this book is the most like crisis ass crisis like of, <laughs> like it is like it's the one that's like okay we got to hit all the check we got to hit all the bullet points in the first issue we got to show dark side we got to kill a flash we got to <laughs> yeah uh you got to have the big white wave we got to we got to do everything. We got to do everything, <laughs> and it's got to be extremely flimsy. It all—it all has to feel extremely flimsy and contrived. Yeah, I forgot to mention <laughs> the dark side appearance. It just already happened. We talked about that last time. How all of these events has to have dark side show up and just basically, uh, you know, say those foolish Earthlings or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. that happens very early in this issue. Uh... <laughs> um, so, and we should oh. also mention if you're reading along at home. We're starting with zero hour number four because in DC's infinite wisdom, this counted down to zero. <laughs> so four, three, two, one, zero. Um, yeah. yeah. Countdown. So th- really zero hours crisis on infinite earth done right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well played. That's right. That's right. It's, it's, it's everyone knows it's the best fucking crisis. Okay. True words were never spoken. All right, Peter, my career. All right. So, um, so wait. Th- th- just so I, it's been a minute since I've I've read this, and I'm flipping through, and I can't remember. This Flash in the future is Wally, right? Yes, and I forget yeah. why he's in the 64th century, but he is. Okay. Gotcha. Um, um because he's. Oh. Never mind. I can't think of it. There's yeah. a reason. There is a reason I can't think of it either. So. Yeah. All right. Um, so he is. Uh, he goes into the time stream and is gone. And like, there's really no emotional payoff to Wally being <laughs> sacrificed here. He's just there. He tries to save the day. He fails. He's dead. Um, and I should say there is there's a fair amount of stuff that happens in this crossover crossover this event rather that would never fly in a current event because there's no resolution to anything and it's not because it will be resolved in the next big event like wally is never seen again in this series he Mm. never comes back (laughs) and they never say like you know oh well wally's back and they kind of hint at nope nothing like that they never even really talk about him again after jay garrick gets weepy about him He's never mentioned again. And this isn't the end of Wally West. Like This isn't even the end of Wally West temporarily. In the Flash book, I think the next month he was back. Um, same thing happens with some Green Lantern characters later in the series. They just, they're just they just not there at the end of the story. And uh, that's a really weird choice to make. We should also say uh, it's written and illustrated by Dan Jurgens with Jerry Ordway. Um, mm-hmm. And th- this continues to be the good Jurgens art-wise in, in parts. But... Um, 
I don't think Jurgens and Ordway are necessarily the best match for each other. I understand why that seemed like a good idea at the time, but I don't think this is as strong as Jurgens' work on uh, Armageddon. This no. is a this is going to be relevant later. But did you guys see the recent Twitter interaction that Jurgens had with someone uh, mentioning Superman's mullet and and Jurgens could corrected this individual on Twitter saying that Superman never had a mullet because he never wore a ponytail and oh, really really calls into question whether or not Jurgens knows what a mullet is. <laughs> um, but it will be relevant when we talk about one of the tie-in issues that we're going to mention later. Uh, where Clark Kent wears a ponytail. Yes, he does. Um, so anyway, <laughs> R.I.P. Wally. Uh, Wave Rider is carrying his his costume and shedding a tear, and um, Rip Cable is standing by in a very awkward position. So so then, uh, like clockwork, Super Mullet comes in the next page. And uh, and is talking to uh, to Batman, and they're they're basically talking about like, hey, you were dead. Hey, your back was broken. Cool, right? And then Metron <laughs> Which I, shows I up. I think is, I think this is the scene that's in one of the tie-ins, right? Yeah. Should we just pause and talk about that tie-in now, or wait till the end of this issue? I don't care. Let's just finish off this issue. Um, okay. With the tie-in. So Metron shows up uh, because, of course, there has to be a new god involvement. We've talked about this before. Um, and we see somehow Hal Jordan Green Lantern is is showing up again in the future, uh, 5700 AD, and Hal Jordan is there. This this is one of the first things aside from Batgirl we're seeing where there's these sort of temporal abnormalities of people showing up where they're not supposed to be, and they're trying to save the world, and they can't do it again. And so Wave Rider continues on, still clutching Wally's costume. <laughs> doesn't like tuck it in the pocket or something just just keeps running with it and at some point he just says the word crisis <laughs> in case you weren't sure this is a crisis in time wave rider says it yeah um so then we see golden age hawkman show up and golden age hawkman then like splits uh to use a fan favorite reference multiplicity style into uh <laughs> into a number of different hawkmen um <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you like that? She fancy? touched my peppy. She <laughs> touched yeah. my peppy, Shaira. I was gonna say <laughs> oh, Shaira. I started, started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably say he touched my peppy, Carter, right? Because it's a clone of Carter. Oh yeah, and Shaira was probably the one touching the peppy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but he wouldn't call him Carter. He'd call him a, a wrong name because Steve is not Michael Keaton's name in that movie. So um, <laughs> it would see. be it would be just one of the other. The other, you'd be like Katar Hole. Yeah, Katar. Yeah, exactly. This is the we, most obscure bullshit. For, uh... We have solved the joke that one listener will enjoy. <laughs> I mean, Hawk, Hawkman basically is multiplicity, the superhero. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes. So you guys from nowhere. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we, then we got Kyle Rayner here, and and Metron and Superman, and uh, Kyle Rayner's response to seeing Metron is cool chair. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know he's young and hip. Exactly. Yep. Cool chair. Um, yeah, I guess I guess we should say you know since we we jumped from um, 
crap, what was the last thing we just read? Oh, yeah, um, uh, Trinity. War of the Gods. Trinity. Oh, Trinity, I'm sorry, yes, yes. Yeah, very forgettable. But between this <laughs> and now is the whole Hal Jordan becomes Parallax, destroys the Green Lantern Corps, Kyle Rayner gets the ring. So uh, point a lot's of, happened. Point of order, I believe Parallax, that title, does not show up until maybe here? Interesting. Mm. I don't remember that. No, he says I'm Parallax, like, when he does the thing, I'm right? sorry, he does, but the it doesn't, like, his look not show up till here. Like no, the, I think he looks like that, for does sure. Does he? Hang on, I'm pulling up yeah. my... Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty positive. I have my 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 new Dawn uh, Emerald Twilight bind right here. Um, uh, I used to have a trade of that, and I sold it. No, I mean, when, when, when he's... I guess he, he doesn't have the cape. He, maybe, here. he doesn't have the cape, but yeah, he has the shoulder yeah. pads and yeah, everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should say this. Uh, this bind is courtesy of friend of the podcast Nick Palmieri, who sent me the entire Kyle Rayner run bound because he had it and was getting rid of it and knew what a Kyle head I was. So I have the entire series bound, which is amazing. Um, it does not have the new Titans crossovers though, Nick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> for shame, Nick. <laughs> yeah, for shame. But this is fantastic. So anyway, um, but yeah. So you're right, Zach. Uh, you know, uh, Kyle Rayner is the only Green Lantern at this point, and um, yeah, Hal is Hal's gone as far yeah. as we know. Yeah, I think I think John is a Dark Star and Guy is Warrior. Yes, correct. I'm pretty sure. Um, I also like. I'm not joking about this. I like how Superman intrinsically understands the Green Lantern ring better than half the Green Lanterns do. Because he says to Kyle, like, use your ring to create a projection of me and send it out to every and Metron will send it out. Like that's more creative than we've seen Kilowog ever be with a ring. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's I enjoy that. Yeah, but Kilowogs is the only one that makes a sound. It is. It is. <laughs> We will reference that Green Lantern Rebirth page for the rest of our lives. <laughs> Speaking of Dark Stars, Dark Star Donna Troy on the next page. Uh -huh. um, and this is where we see the projection of Superman basically pick up all of the heroes that they want us to know are going to be part of this event. So we yep. see Donna Troy. We see uh, bearded Aquaman. We see the uh, the weird Teen Titans that... Uh, what a weird team. That were very horny. Very yeah. horny. Uh, Phantasm, Red Star, Panther, and Changeling. Yeah. Uh, we see Leather Jacketed Superboy. We see the Atom. We see the Ray. We see... Uh, this is the weird time where there were two Doctor Fates. Uh, Inza and Kent Nelson were both Doctor Fate. The Outsiders. Um, Green Arrow. You know, it, it's just... they're They're basically reminding us who's who's going to show up here um i think this is low-key another tr crisis trope is you have to have green arrow like be cranky about <laughs> the things that are going on in the crisis like just being inconvenienced essentially yes i, I think that that happens in crisis on Inf infinite earths i know it happens in final crisis um so i i think that that's a crisis trope yeah yeah they there's uh, there's another crisis trope about Brian's about to talk about, I'm sure. Yes, which is they go see the Spectre and he's like, <laughs> I don't deal with this shit. Get out of here. Yeah, his answer is like the worst. We, we make jokes about how like, 
oh, the Spectre just decides that he can't be bothered or whatever. He literally says, I don't have the direct quote, but he says something like, I only combat true evil, not natural disasters. He he says, natural disasters do not concern me. My mission is directed only against evil. Yeah. (laughs) The struggles with the laws of nature are of little matter to me, Metron. Be gone! Yeah. So so basically what he's saying is he's doing nothing for the coronavirus pandemic either. (laughs) Yes. We look to him, he'll whisper no. So now we see Wave Rider looking into the world's largest crystal ball to try and see what's happening, and we just get the most amazing nut face uh, like transformation here, where he's normal, and then his eyes go wide, then his mouth is wide open, and he just you know he goes to town. So yes. So then we see the Justice Society. This is this is gonna get sad in a little while, but this is the last appearance of the full old Justice Society that were pulled out of that weird limbo, uh, you know, in the um, Armageddon 2001 Inferno tie-in. And uh, we'll we'll see what happens to them in just a minute here. But we see them. And and this is also when uh, Alan Scott was going by Sentinel and had a sexy new costume. That costume did not not take for that long. but yeah, actually, he might have still been called Green Lantern. I think he was Sentinel already at this point. I forget exactly when. But anyway, Alan's also looking young, and all of his JSA friends are like, "Yo, looking hot, dude. What are you doing? P90X?" And he's like, "No, <laughs> Starheart." Um, here's my favorite bit of dialogue in the issue, though. The Adam Al Pratt says, "It's that Wave Rider guy," <laughs> <laughs> and he's um, he's carrying Wally's costume. And Jay sees it, and uh, Jay breaks down. And, you know, that scene, I think, is effective, because if you've been reading Flash and JSA stuff since Christ and Infinite Earth, you know that Jay is one of the few people to um, to have a real connection to Barry still. And, you know, at this point, like I said, uh, his, his best friend in um, Hal Jordan is gone, and so, you know, it just... We we see Barry's loss through Jay a lot of times, and to see him lose Wally also is sad. It, it's a it's one of the few emotionally rending scenes in this in this comic. Agree? Disagree? Yeah. No. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Then we see Extant, and he says, "I am Extant, and Extant, and now is mine. Now it's mine." Um. It would have been great if he said, now is mine. Now is mine. mine. (laughs) Get it? It's time stuff. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that is a better line that we have here. Um, (laughs) But, Zach, you want to talk about a tie-in that we see a scene sort of ripped from here. So why don't you talk about that tie-in? What what tie-in is that? Well, well, you guys wanted to talk about it because you asked me to read it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And that was Man of Steel number 37. I believe in 37. Is that right? 37. That, that was is, a clerk's is that joke. a bit? There's a clerk's oh, joke. Okay. And since okay. I am Dante, apparently, yeah. of the Viewers Universe, the multiverse, the multiverse universe. Uh... Yeah, the skew yeah, the skew ever Viewers Yeah. Whatever. University. Look to Twitter. The... Yeah. Uh, um, written 30, by Louise Simonson, illustrated by I don't have it in front of me. Um, uh. uh... 
so I should have. Bog, it's Bog. Bog. I always forget the artist's name, but it's like Bog Devone or something like that. Oh, uh, b- 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 John Bogdanov. That's it. Yes, that's the artist. Yeah. Um, and so this is a this is a Superman tie-in, but it's very much Batman-centric. And you guys were hooting and hollering about this issue because it has a bunch of not actually even not even that many different versions of Batman that show up and I don't know about you guys I was getting major millennium vibes because the Batman just show up and say the same thing over and over again just like <laughs> the Guardian and that Zamoron showed up and offered the same deal to all the different new Guardians <laughs> uh, so I thought I thought this issue was fine. I I thought the fact that one of them was the Dark Knight's Return Batman and one of them was like the original Detective Comics Batman yeah. with the purple gloves. It, it's funny because it's like very much a proto thing of what happens in comics like all the time now. Oh, we see it all the time all now. All the yeah. time. Um, and so I guess this was like when comics started to be nostalgic. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. There's and, even the Batman animated series one though. Yep. He's in there too. Was there? Okay, I guess I missed that one, or I I just didn't catch that visually. Um, and, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that had been going on for a few years at that point, right? Or had just started, maybe. I just started, not yeah. I think. Yeah. What year was this? Ninety four. Yeah. This was ninety four. I knew it was early nineties. I couldn't quite remember when it started. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was fine. The, the 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 subplot with Jimmy and the vampire, the vampire rock man. Yeah, vampire rock man was weird, but um, yeah, no, this this was this was fine. It was fun. Louis yeah. Simonson does such good Superman work, and we don't talk about her enough as one of the like, uh, like architects of the '90s Superman in a good way. Mm-hmm. And this is good. Yeah, you know, I read some of her X-Men stuff um, when I was kind of going back and trying to get into when I was reading Inferno. That's what it was when I was very hot for Inferno and uh, all the weird little clues that Hickman's been leaving. So, yeah, she's good. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I like that, uh, you know, if you read this, if you read this issue next to all the other tie-ins which i i did read um it's so much better than most of them 100 oh I'm, I'm sure it is i'm sure it is yeah um sidebar i read all the legion tie-ins because i felt like it how are they um, <laughs> very confusing <laughs> <laughs> extremely um but yeah that was the thing it did it does explain we're gonna come across eventually in zero hour so i'll talk about that then okay uh zero hour three begins with jay just again continuing to freak out over wally's death and everybody is is trying to find uh words to say to make him feel better and no one's uh no one's really able to do that and we start to begin to see Chekhov's gun on the JFSA here, where all of them are like, we have to fight. And they don't even subtly say it. Our man literally whispers to Sandman, are you okay, Sandman? Your heart isn't. He's like, I'm fine. We're needed. Like, 
this is going to end badly. Um, <laughs> and some of the JSA here were, um, I guess because they were trapped in that time loop, they look young. Not all of them were kept as young as the others. So, like, Ted Knight's looking hot here, and, uh, you know, whereas Our Man's looking rough, Rex Tyler's looking rough. So, you know, there's it's sort of, there's there's various degrees of of youth represented here. But, um, so the JSA is going to join the fight, they've decided. Uh, Superman and Metron are, are doing their business here, and Impulse shows up. And Impulse is being chased by dinosaurs, and uh, Superman finds him, and uh, they escape dinosaurs together. <laughs> um, Impulse is pretty obnoxious here, which is sort of mm-hmm. the MO for Impulse for the next five years or so after this. Um, he eventually becomes an excellent character, but early Impulse is, is pretty rough to read. How long had Bart Allen been around at this point? He... He had to be pretty recent. Yeah, not long at all. His first appearance okay. as Impulse was in a tie-in to this. Interesting. So, okay. so, yeah, it wasn't very long. Okay. Yeah, what are you guys' feelings on Impulse in general? I probably haven't read enough. I mean, I, I remember f- fond feelings from just seeing him in things throughout the stuff that I have read over the years. Um, but I never read, I never read like him in a, a, a book that was the focus on him. Sure. Same actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I should probably, uh, rescind what I said. I don't know how obnoxious impulse was in his title, but I know like whenever he'd show up in other titles, I always found him pretty insufferable during this time. Mm. Um, this makes this makes something that happened in the Legion tie-in make more sense because this would have so Mark Wade created Impulse and he would have been new at this time and in the Legion tie-ins there's this thing one of the reasons it's so confusing is because history keeps changing and so like characters will pop in and out between panels and their histories will change from panel to panel and at one point the, the origin of the Legion is that they were inspired by Impulse and Mark Mark Wade was writing the Legion at that time, so that that makes sense. Huh. Okay. Uh, so we get uh, we get a scene here with the Time Trapper and uh, Rock. Do you guys remember Rock? Yeah, you Rock know Rock. Rock Yeah. Yeah. So this this is what I was talking about. I. I had forgotten about this little bit of Legion history, but at this point in Legion, there were two different sets. There were there were two different sets of Legion characters. There were the the ones who had been going and who had been aged ahead because there was like a big five year time jump, and then there was this group called the SW6 batch, which were initially said to be clones of the Legion from when they were younger that were found but then it turned out that they were just like a second set they, they were the original legionnaires who were separated into an alternate timeline by the time trapper who is older cosmic boy he, he's the future cosmic boy and it shows like how he becomes the time trapper so there are like three different versions of cosmic boy running around through zero hour 
And they're, who said the Legion was confusing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, like, none of that is explained here in, in Zero Hour. You have to go read the, the Legion tie-in to get all of that. Because, like, within the span of three pages here, you see all three Cosmic Boys. Um, <laughs> and you just have to go with it. Yeah. So, he's a time trapper. He doesn't like it. He's very sad. Um, so then, now we get another scene that we get in every crisis, which is all the heroes gathering to deal with this. I, one of my favorite bits of these scenes is all of the uh, extrapolation that characters give for their current status quos, which seems to have been written for like, hey, podcasters will read this in 30 years and need to know what's going on because um, there's no other reason for someone like Power Girl to be talking about her pregnancy right now, but <laughs> she talks about it. We have to know about it, you know. Oh, that will come mm-hmm. to play a little bit later, but... Oh, yeah. Uh, this is... We're in the 90s right now. Like, look at these costumes. Look at those yes. shoulder pads. <laughs> um, yes. Like, Booster Gold looks ridiculous. <laughs> Guy looks ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get Dr. Light. We have the most, I think the most 90s character looking character is Metamorpho, who who gets real <laughs> buff all of a sudden and gets uh, uh, Ghost Rider head. Yeah. 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 It, it's all pretty bad. But so this, this scene does something that a lot of DC events up to this point did, and they'll continue to do it for a couple of years, which is they put Captain Marvel front and center for one scene as if to remind you like hey we got captain marvel but he does nothing else in any of them he's on the cover of all these events and here uh the ray basically says we should have superman lead us and he says tag you're it like you know that's all <laughs> and that's that's the entirety of captain marvel in this entire event essentially um mm-hmm. but that happens all the, i wonder why dc felt he was important enough to like put in these scenes and put front and center but do nothing with I don't know. Well, you'll find out when you read uh, Underworld Unleashed. <laughs> no, you won't. Yeah, you will. Why is that then? Tell us. There's a, he's a he is a big. Uh, oh, I know he's a big part of that, but it doesn't explain why he's here. Well, no, but they reveal why. I mean, how important he is to the DCU. Yes, yes, as he a is. whole. Yeah, I I read that last summer as well. He is yeah. he is important there. All right. Anyway. Uh, so then we get the JSA goes up against against Extant, and um, he basically, well, <laughs> I got sorry. Second favorite bit of dialogue here. All of my favorite dialogue here is JSA related. A chronal energy blast. Who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I love, love my favorite. My favorite thing in comics is when like. Uh, you know, heroes that have seen incredible things over the decades are, encounter something mystical or magical, and are like, "What?" Yeah. As if they, as if they haven't seen shit like this a dozen times. You know, there also was great... to be able to just visually identify a chronal energy blast, like yeah. as it's happening. And can you imagine being shot? <laughs> well, you've, with seen a... ones, yeah. you've seen ones. You've seen ones. <laughs> Imagine Steel being ball. shot with a chronal energy blast, and you're instead of saying like "ow fuck," <laughs> you say a chronal energy blast. Who is this guy? What's the deal with what? chronal energy blast? <laughs> this is the '90s. Seinfeld was very big. 
All right, so then then we get another vision of a million Hawkmen, and uh... how can you have a zero hour? No. <laughs> Second, we get a vision of all these Hawkmen, and uh, then we see basically all the Hawkmen, including Hawk Woman, all come together into basically the Hawk God, as, as he's referred to sometimes, um, which is that he is both all Hawkmen and no Hawkmen. Um, Which is a really cool scene, and honestly is, like, the thing that I probably recognize the most iconically from Zero Hour. Like, even when I was just, like, first getting into DC Comics, if you had asked me to, like, name something about Zero Hour, it's like, oh, the Hawkman thing. Mm. That is interesting. I, I guess it's one of the few things that really changes after this for a while. That was the Hawk status quo for some time after this. Mm-hmm. Um, then we check in with the uh, Acronym Legion, which is our jam lately to be checking in with the Acronym Legion. Nothing really happens here. We check in with the New Gods again. Nothing really happens there. We're back on Earth. And uh, the one character here who does not have a 90s costume is Aqualad, <laughs> who is still walking around in his skivvies like it's 1952. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else is going on here? And then Hawkman just comes in and drops his mace on the table. <laughs> yeah. No, that doesn't happen. No, but Hawkman does just fly in. And, no, but this uh... is when Jeff Johns started talking about that scene. And, it was... <laughs> and then he finally got to do it 25 years later. Yeah. Um, so now Wave Rider is trying to uh, to tell what's going on here. <laughs> and... Uh, he, he tells that uh, Wally and Hal are dead. Everyone knows Hal's dead already. And he just breaks it to him like such a, like such a shithead would. And the, the, the Teen Titans, or the, the, the current Titans, the old Teen Titans of Dick and Roy and uh, Donna don't take it well, obviously, because they found out their friend is dead and no one thought to tell them. Um, and they say, Hal Jordan's dead. And they're all like, wait a minute, he was already dead. How did this happen? And... Um, we go back to the vanishing point, and we see Extent with uh, all the JSA, and uh, they're trying to figure out what's happening. They basically all turn into uh, the manager of the New Main Street Singers, What Happened? And just ask that question. Again, a reference from maybe one listener. Um, but I know Vince would appreciate a good Christopher Guest joke. And Put then... him in a cell with a long nose on. <laughs> Uh, and then we see Extant basically just say, uh, fuck you, JSA, you old. And the, he he ages all of them up to what their age is supposed to be. And we see Sandman have a heart attack. We see Ted Grant uh, aged up incredibly old, and everybody's very worried about them. But then we cut away again, and Wave Rider disappears, and... Uh, Basically, all of the JSA, save for Alan Scott, are de-aged, or sorry, are rather aged, are aged up, and they're trying to take down Extant, and they cannot do it. And uh, he uh, he basically puts a spell on two of them that every second that passes, they'll age five years. And so we see our man Rex Tyler die then, 
and uh, yeah, where there's a lot of jumping back and forth between this scene, but essentially what happens is um, the last thing that Extant does is he takes all of the charge out of Alan Scott's ring, and <laughs> in, in in what can only be described as a Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man moment, he <laughs> takes his mask off, and psych, he's actually Wave Rider? <laughs> Which, okay. It, you want to know why I said that this was a, a pulp? Is it because of this? It, not this moment in specific, but like, that that moment is emblematic of the entirety of Zero Hour to me. This event, more than the other ones that we've read, just feels like a bunch of things happening for convenience sake rather than anything that makes any sort of logical sense, you know? And that, nothing makes logical sense. It's superhero comics, you know? But, like, the, the just, like, oh, I'm Monarch. Now I'm extant my personality is like basically the same, but I'm calling myself extant now. Uh, Oh, now, now I took off my mask and I'm wave rider. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's this weird, like uh, changes in identity for seemingly no reason. It's timey wimey stuff that doesn't appear to be thought out or make any sense. It's, it's the most poorly constructed of the events that we've had so far. I think, I think, I still think millennium is worse. I think it's a, a worse event, less interesting, less meaningful result. Uh, but this is probably second worst to me just because of how how, how random some of this stuff is. I, I like what we got out of everything in Zero Hour, but like moments like this just don't resonate with me at all well, as having any kind of impact. And that's kind of my defense of Zero Hour is that it's a shitty event that led to that really kickstarted one of my favorite eras of DC. Yeah, and it led to sure. a lot of really good stuff. And so I think when I think back on Zero Hour, I think about all of the aftermath stuff, and I, I like it. Um, but in terms of a, a, a comic that you're reading and trying to make any sense out of, you're out of luck, bud. Yeah, I think if you start right after Zero Hour, you're in for a good time for for a while. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I don't know that the event itself needs to be included in that. Especially because the event makes so little sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's let's take a break now, and when we come back, we will tackle the second half of Zero Hour. So stay tuned. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinbro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back with Zero Hour number two. Um, at this point, it's pretty much fair to say that very little has happened in this event of consequence. We've seen a lot of stuff happen 
two individual characters. You know, Wally is gone, the JSA is aged up. But in terms of story, we know that the world, that the time is being erased. We really don't know why yet. We don't really know how yet. It's just kind of there. Um, would you guys agree with that assessment thus far? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this issue begins with Wave Rider talking to Wave Rider <laughs> uh, about how, um, you know, how can how can you be me? I would never be you. And you know, your, your classic time travel paradox stuff here. Um, and then we see the, the JSA sent back to Earth. And uh, hang on. Just scrolling through bullshit here. Yeah, when I reread it this time, I was really surprised at how little happened at this point in the event. And so they're trying to... Um, they basically try and supercharge Captain Adam, who's definitely definitely was not Monarch, um, and have him like expel the energy that is coming to the current day and send it back from whence it came. And that doesn't work. Um, but the JSA does show up here, and we see a number of them either die or uh, have heart attacks. And so it looks like here we have confirmed that our man, the Atom, Wildcat, Sandman, Dr. Midnight, Dr. Fate, and um, are either gone or in a hospital. We see Jay Garrick looking real old. Ted Grant says he's done as Starman. And uh, Johnny Quick is also there. He's helping up Dr. Midnight. And uh, the Justice League of America, f led by Martian Manhunter, flies the rest of them off to a hospital while uh, Alan Scott and uh, Jay Garrick decide they are no longer going to be superheroes. Alan takes his ring off and gives it to Kyle, and Jay Garrick rips the <laughs> the sewn-off <laughs> lightning bolt on his shirt, which... Well, that's where the power comes from. Of course. And, and hands it to, uh, to Bart, Alan. <laughs> Here, kid, catch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh... It's a towel, you yutz. That's a quote, Krusty the Clown. Um, all right. So, anyway. Still nothing's happening here. We're still having to talk about how the JSA were pros, and we should be sad that they're dead, because of course we should. And so, um, at this point now, the, the teams are being sent, various teams are being sent across time and space to try and stop this from all angles. This is where we get mm -hmm. some, some Legion stuff. Zach, you want to talk about the Legion here? Well, hang on. Before you do that, I just want to point out the the, the corresponding arc from Snyder's Justice League where they do this exact same thing. <laughs> yep. Where they go, they go to the past. They send one team to the past, and they send one team to the future. And I think it's remarkable, and I've said this before, how much Snyder's metal to Justice League to probably death metal streak has contained all these very specific elements that come from other crises in the past like more than just coincidence you know yeah that that's an idea straight out of this and i'm not i'm not saying he's ripping anything off i think it's all done very intentionally and i think it's just interesting to see like lit literally how much of this stuff uh from other crises pops up in his 
I, I never would have called it, but Snyder is like kind of the modern Jeff Johns in a lot of ways now. I know I like basing on his early Batman run. I never would have called that, but he, he really kind of has become the, the Johns of this of this era. Yeah, he's a better interview than Johns. Oh, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not much to say about this Legion stuff. This Legion group actually does not like factor into the tie-ins much at all. Um, so you have like the the original kind of like big three of the Legion, but this is the like the newer, younger versions from the alternate timeline. And then, except for the Emerald Dragon, who's the older version of Ultra Boy, um, so that's not confusing at all. Yeah. Um, so we, get, we go back to the hospital in New York where the JSA, uh, you know, some of them are surviving, but Dr. Midnight is dead and Jay Garrick gets really mad and he's going to go talk to the Spectre about this because he's got some explaining to do here. And, uh, then we go back to Power Girl. She's about to have birth, give birth rather. And, uh, Supergirl, who at this point I believe is still, um, Matrix Supergirl, correct? That would, yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So she she is a protoplasmic blob from the future. She does not know how childbirth happens. Um, yeah, we go back to Extant, and he is uh, he's at vanishing point again, and we see Wave Rider, uh, Kyle Rayner, the Ray, Superboy, Donna Troy, Impulse, and who's that person in between? Uh, in between Nightwing's legs there. That's, so. that's Anima. Anima, thank you. Uh, this is actually a pretty fun team. I would like to see more done with this team, but of course that will never happen. Um, although, uh, not long after this, Donna Troy and Kyle Rayner would be a couple for a little while. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. Yeah. When they were both Titans. You, you, it, interestingly, this, this fits the bill of a... A Bat character, a Super character, a Green Lantern, a Flash, and a Wonder Woman character. Oh, look at that. Look at that, Jurgens. It's a, it's a regular James Robinson Justice League situation. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it, it's like, it's like uh, uh, two, two of those characters were on that team. Yes, so. they were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, uh uh, Walter once said to take a shot every time yep. uh, Robinson's <laughs> Justice League is mentioned on our show. So there you go, Walter. Uh, have, should, have a shot. We should have Walt put together an official DC three cast drinking game. <laughs> All right. Um, here we get an appearance of the Team Titans, which is one of the more confusingly named teams in DC history. Uh, so con- so confusing that once when I started out reading comics, I went on eBay trying to buy Teen Titans comics, and I accidentally bought a run of Teen Titans comics. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What, what, okay, what, true what story. What is Teen Titans in relation to Teen Titans? Like, what what are what are, what are they? Really. I'm really confused by their their really. inclusion in this series. Okay, they're like so, bird people. Yes, they are like bird people. What? <laughs> At this time, we have the new Titans, which are the like some of the, the old the old Titans. Some of the <laughs> old Titans, but there's also some some newer characters in there. 
Then there's the Teen Titans, which we talked about before with Changeling and uh, and a, a bunch of weirdos. And then there are the Team Titans, which I think actually spun out of a a Titans event, but they really have nothing to do with anything. Uh, yeah, the, the only thing the only thing is that I think Terra is a member of both. Yes, Terra was a member okay. of both, who was also somehow okay, but dead, they're they're but bad at this though. They're very they're they're tools. They're they're pawns of extant, right? Yes. yes. Um, they they yeah, I believe they were created by extant. Yeah, so it's spun out of the new Titan series, but again, like this is just '90s DC. This series ran for 24 issues and two annuals. Jesus. T- Team Titans. Created by <laughs> Rick. Rick. Grayson. <laughs> hey, Paul. Paul, you enjoy the Team Titans? <laughs> yeah, t- Tara. <laughs> Presser John. Great. Uh, uh, created by Marv Wolfman and Tom Grummet. Yeah. Um, Even the Tom Grummet art can't save, save that no, one. No, it cannot. Um, you want to read a quote about that? Yeah. The unfortunate part was that we had no idea what they wanted. We had no idea that what they wanted was DC Comics X-Force. They, DC management at the time, saw Team Titans as the answer to Rob Liefeld's X-Force. And we wanted to do something much more character-driven and self-aware. Something more like Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. So Ah. literally, from the first issue, it was a struggle editorially to tell the point of the book. Was it? struggle editorially to the point that the book just fell apart on us completely and a long-term story that we had planned got condensed to four issues then zero hour came along and undermined everything anyway <laughs> yeah um, that tracks i do want to say that young blood the rob liefeld comic which would have been two years old at the point of zero hour but would have been launched around the same time just about five months before team titans young blood was adapted from liefeld's pitch for a new teen titans comic so this might have actually Team Titans might have been the place for Rob Liefeld's Teen Titans comic if he didn't depart to do Image Comics. Anyway, uh, I don't know if it's interesting, but right, it is. No, that's all. All right, so the Team Titans show up. Their tools, um, <laughs> although uh, again, gotta love '90s Jurgen's dialogue. Um, Connell, Connor Kent, Superboy, says Babe Alert at one point. <laughs> From what you've said, that, that pretty much tracks with Jurgen's uh, 90s milieu. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Jurgen's penned Teen Titans, which is a couple years after this and briefly has Captain Marvel Jr. in it, is one of the weirdest, horniest comics you'll ever read. <laughs> so... Um, right. Uh, so is that your is that your finger pointing at me or <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> He's making a horny Jurgens joke. I know, I know. I was trying to class up the show. <laughs> it was good, Zach. Thanks. Okay. So... Who who is this doctor? Who's this brother Mist guy? This this doctor Mist brother Mist. What's his deal? Brother yeah. Miss the Geek. Yeah. You think I know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. 
I don't so. It's just it's a very weird subplot in this book that I don't get. Yeah. We should point out here that uh Extant shoots a coronal energy blast apparently at Wave Rider, pulls the mask off and is back to being Hank Hall. Because <laughs> there's two Extants running around and this wasn't confusing enough, so let's make it even more confusing. Uh, so at this point, Hank Hall then like basically punches ex- uh, punches Wave Rider in the chest and takes over his uh, like lets him you know seep into himself, and that's when he becomes the Wave Rider slash extant character. Um, we see the other heroes; they are. In time, they capture, not capture, they basically grab the, uh, the Legion so they can be, so they can help them, and they, uh, they throw Metron's chair into the, uh, into the, what, what, what are they calling this? It's not the, uh, it's not the wave from Crisis, but it's the, the wormhole, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, and basically, Metron's chair the idea is that it's going to undo all of this, like every other plan here, and it doesn't really work. And then Time Trapper grabs some people and sends them off to Parts Unknown. And there is still some fighting going on on Earth. And then we see um, <laughs> Guy Gardner manifest <laughs> a gun out of his arm. Fast part. <laughs> which is the beginning of his like new powers as warrior. So... Basically, Guy Gardner was a Green Lantern, then he wasn't, and he had this, like, armor, and then it turns out he's actually an alien and can do stuff like grow guns out of his arms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Robin says, check it out, bad guys fade out, good guys fade in, as the good guys show up, and Captain Marvel, again, is in the background, and we see... um, the, the issue ends with Extant... Uh, what we should say earlier, he picks up um, Alan Scott's Green Lantern, and that becomes important later. And we just see him uh, basically say that the universe will be no more. It's, this, is, this is the first issue where anything of substance really happens, and still nothing kind of happened here. Yeah. I, that's not Extant that we see at the end, though. We don't know who that is. No, it's not. I'm sorry. I should say that we... We think that it's extant. It yeah. is not extant. It's important that it's not extant. Thank you, Zach. It um, is also... It It looks like... So, wait. So, the extant that we just saw, who became Wave Rider, comes and meets another extant. And then the other extant... Does he kill the Wave Rider extant? Is that what's happening here? Your guess is as good as mine. Um, they merge together, I thought. I get it. Okay, they merge again? Yes. Okay. More again, emerging. like, that, that's what bothers me about this event. Because that, that the fact that they're separate and then merging really has no effect on anything. It's, it's really just like a delay for time. You know what I mean? Well, they clearly decided that this is going to be a series that's going to be told in reverse. <laughs> and we need to get X amount of issues out of it, even though it is clearly not. There's almost nothing of of worth need in most of these issues. Yeah. 
And just in, in case you guys were wondering, uh, I'm trying to get the exact number here of tie-ins, but there's like 30 tie-ins maybe to this, right? Oh, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I read almost every one of them, I yeah. think. Oh. Yeah. All right. So let's hit zero hour number one. And um, so we see a team that is made up of people who are, are sort of, I guess, like misfits in the DC universe here. We get Guy Gardner is going through his changes here. We get Supergirl and Steel and the time-displaced Barbara Gordon, and they're flying towards, like, basically vanishing point slash the nexus of all of this, and they're trying to get there to help stop this, obviously. Um, what's, what's interesting to me here is that Steel and Supergirl are uh, coming off of pretty major changes. I, I mean, Steel's a brand-new character. Supergirl is a... Uh, is the Matrix. Superboy is pretty much a brand new character. And we really don't get much with them. But here we do see both um, both Steel and Supergirl basically. Is it just Steel or Steel and Supergirl both get torn apart here? No, it's just Steel. Uh, For some reason I thought it was Super, Supergirl also, but it's not. It's just Steel. I don't have it in my notes. Um... But yeah, and and that's sort of the beginning of of what is uh, going to play out over these next two issues, which is we're gonna see we're gonna start to see some some real consequences here. Steel was the first character who was who like had an ongoing series, who um, you know who had stakes. Like the JSA at this point were pretty much just interesting characters that were still sticking around, but didn't have a ton to do in the DC universe. After Wally's death in the first issue, this is the first character we see to go away that seems like, oh shit, they just killed Steel. That's pretty significant. Um, but we see Extant get get shot with some sort of green energy, and he says, uh, someone says to him, you forget who's in charge here. And we still don't exactly see who that is. We're starting to get clues as to sort of who the big bad is here. Um, we get some Time Trapper Legion stuff that, again, doesn't really mean anything, except that we see the Legion get blinked out of existence. At this point, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so this is actually this is dovetailing into the end of the Legion tie-ins. Um, that's like prepping the big post-zero hour Legion reboot that happens spinning out of this. So, so this does have Legion consequences. Yeah, the re the Legion gets completely rebooted after zero hour. That's what I thought. Uh, yeah, it's kind of the first big. Well. Yeah, it's it's the it's the first major like Legion reboot. Interesting. Okay, so uh, and it's interesting because, as we're gonna see in a little while, there are a lot of consequences here that get erased as part of this. But I guess mm -hmm. the Legion stuff does not get erased, right? No, it does not. It it starts a new continuity that lasts um, until the Abnett Landing stuff oh, okay. that we read. The like uh, Legion lost stuff. Okay. Um, okay. So then we get we check in with our uh, our pal Power Girl who is still in labor, and Wonder Woman is uh, is saying that she's going to deliver the baby alone because Captain Adam's trying to creep in there. And it's like, hey, need my help over here? She's like, no, I got this, dude. Um, and then we see Impulse zapped away uh, because the 30th century is gone. So this brand new character. That we just we just learned about is gone. Booster Gold also blinks out of existence because his 
25th century home is gone, and we're starting to see everything's catching up now. Um, all this is happening concurrently with Power Girl being in labor, which I'm sure is not a uh, not a <laughs> metaphor or a uh, symbol of anything to come. Um, so then we see Jay Garrick, and he is running to the old JSA headquarters, and he's looking for the Spectre, and he's basically giving the same speech that every character gives to the Spectre in every crisis after the Spectre originally says, buzz off. And he says, um, it's the Spectre who joins you now. The man I once knew as Jim Gorgon died ages ago, which again is said in every single event. <laughs> and um, So yep. he is saying, we, we see Jay Garrick blinked out of existence here. And Spectre says he will be avenged. So swears the Spectre. So again, the Spectre talks a big game, gets argued with a little bit, and he's basically Will Ferrell's character from uh, Austin Powers, where you argue with him three times, and then he'll help you. <laughs> that's an that's an Austin we've never done on the show. Before. No, it's not. This is a new a new Austin Powers reference. So when when Zach one day sees the Austin Powers trilogy <laughs> and marvels in its wonder, he'll understand all these jokes. Oh, Zach, you gotta see it. You gotta see it. <laughs> you gotta check out Austin Powers. Uh, 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 Patreon content, we'll do a live watch along of Austin Powers with Zach. Oh, I want sure. to so badly. Sure, sure. <laughs> yes. But, but we have to get at least far enough for Zach to hear the finest words in cinematic history. Uh, crikey, I've lost my mojo. <laughs> yes. I've told you how I had a dream about that once, right? <laughs> yeah, but tell it again. So I had a dream once that I was dying, and I was trying to find something to put on my tombstone that would make people laugh whenever they walked past my grave, and I decided on Crikey, I've lost my mojo. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I have to say, if I was in a cemetery and I saw that, I would laugh. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we begin to see that the... the Earth in present time is being totally taken over by this um, this wave of white mutilation. Energy. Wave of mutilation. Thank you for quoting the pixies, Zach. You're my best friend. Um, <laughs> I just I just sang my kids. Here comes your man before bed tonight. So there we go. That's creepy. By their request, they wanted to hear that. They love that song. Okay. Not uh, don't don't judge me. So we just get uh, all of this timey-wimey stuff, but we're about to get the most important thing to happen in all of Zero Hour, <laughs> which is that we're in based, a hospital. Based Brian Salvatore here. Okay. <laughs> we're, get, we're in the hospital. We see, uh, we see Ted Knight there, and his two sons, David and Jack, come to see him in the hospital. He says, I'm fine, just exhausted. David, Jack, I want you boys to know that you both mean the world to me. I know the day would come when I pass my cosmic rod to one of you so that the legacy of Starman might carry on to a new generation. And uh, he hands it off to David Knight, which we all know goes swimmingly. <laughs> His tenure as Starman. But, but this is the first appearance of Jack Knight, and he says, good luck, bro. I wouldn't want that gig. Again, lots of foreshadowing here. But that is the first appearance of Jack Knight, Starman. Jack Knight, who becomes Starman eventually, and uh, yeah, it's good. So, um, 
I feel like this this is just dragging so much. We begin to see everybody getting uh, destroyed by the by the time by the wave of mutilation. Batman is gone. Um, Guy Gardner is gone. We see uh, basically the Bat family and um, Green Arrow are trying to stop him. The Atom is trying to get inside of his brain, and energy energy like rips through him. Uh, we're basically seeing all of these characters, except for some very few important ones. We'll get to in a second. All of them are getting wiped out at this point. But here is one of the other major changes that happened. So basically, Extant tries to de-age the Ray into being like Adams again. Pardon the pun, but like you know, back to like before he was even born, wipe him out of existence. But Wave Rider stops it when he's sixteen, which leads to him leading the new Teen Titans after this event because he is 16 years old but was a member of the Justice League. You know that because in every single issue he says, I may be 16 years old but I was a member of the Justice League. <laughs> um, Superman attempts to punch Extant in the back of the head and he is punched. <laughs> Donkey punch him. <laughs> oh, oh. God, Zach. Oh, Zach, Zach, you are the... <laughs> You're the rowdy one tonight. <laughs> I, I'm mainly laughing at how pleased Zach is with himself for that joke right now. What a dignified operation we're running here. Yeah. Alright, so to please Zach, I'll say that Superman tries to donkey punch accident. But he is punched himself uh, by, quote, an old friend who's much too late. And everybody is shocked seeing this. And it is how Jordan <laughs> returned. Uh, not Green Lantern anymore. I've taken the name Parallax. I've seen the... See, I, again, Zach, I don't know if it's said before this. I'm almost positive it is. He, well, you might be. No, I guess you might, I you might be remembering an an earlier panel from an issue of Green Lantern, where he says, "I will become Parallax." <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna do some research while we continue. Okay. Uh, so we've seen him dressed like this before. But I don't believe we ever see him call himself Parallaxel here. But again, I'll you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna read about it. Okay. I'm gonna look it up. So we we see that um, the Parallax is the one behind all of this. We see um, Kyle Rayner think it's Hal Jordan, the guy who was Green Lantern before me. Thanks for the uh, <laughs> tip there. Um, that is such a Jurgens. Oh my God. Yes, it is. It's an incredibly Jurgens thing to do. Um, and so we see Hal say, this is zero hour times up. It's gone so wrong. All those people, Coast City, Coast City, which by the way, blew up in the middle of Trinity last time, wasn't even commented on. Um, and he says, the universe needs me time for a new start, a clean slate, a remade universe, my universe. And so this is the issue ends with, um, Hal Jordan going off to recreate the universe. And I have to say, that is a way more interesting story than anything we've gotten so far. 
And I don't know why they felt like they had to bury that story four issues into a five-issue miniseries. Because wouldn't this series have been much more interesting if it started off with Hal Jordan being the villain? You gotta have the mystery. Do you, though? No, but that's the idea behind it. Okay, you're right. I guess you're, I mean, I don't know that you're right, but in my mind, in my mind, I always imagine that, that page, um, in Green Lantern 50 where Hal becomes, where he gets the new look. I just always imagined him saying, I, I, I will become the parallax, uh, <laughs> but he does not say that. No, um, what that page does man, do that's though, a beautiful page. It is the great Daryl Banks page, but that page, you can tell they're like, oh, We'll be selling this as prints forever because you see Daryl Banks signed the bottom of the page, um, uh-huh. which is a very like late '90s, uh, mid '90s rather. We're gonna do this. We're gonna have a big. Um, we're gonna have a, 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 a basically a, a an iconic image. Make sure the artist signs this for when it's made into a poster. <laughs> but yes, so uh, just for, let the record state I, I was right. Um. So now we're we're here at zero hour number zero, and we begin to see Hal's explanation for why he needs to remake the universe, and this essentially comes down to that when Coast City was destroyed, he wasn't there to protect it, but that it wasn't his fault because the world was so fucked up that nobody could actually protect everything that the, the world was misordered and that Hal is going to make things right and he's going to he's going to put together the universe in such a way where there doesn't need to be pain and death and destruction it just has to be it has to be the way Hal sees as right um what one quick thing I know you think the coolest thing in this series is uh, <laughs> Jack Knight showing up or something. Yep. Um, but I think that the way that issue three ends with everything kind of fading out and how just kind of like turning and walking into the void and then issue zero ends or opens with a blank cover and then slowly adds things back in is mm. like very much the coolest thing in this whole event. Artistically, yes. Like visually, yeah. that's a very cool thing very legal very cool um yes um i should say by the way that that uh our good friend nick palmieri put zero hour in the middle of this so i'm 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 looking at zero hour in print right now this is nice um okay so um at this point he's explaining his his purpose to the heroes that are gathered there. And again, some of these heroes include uh, the time-displaced Barbara Gordon, um, Hal, uh, Guy Gardner, and uh, they're all kind of shocked that Hal is powerful enough to create life now. And this is really a... I mean, we see him get more powerful as as the, you know, uh, Emerald Twilight, Emerald Dawn stuff is happening. But it's it's pretty crazy just how just how powerful he's become here yeah you kind of really wonder how the the yellow fear entity did all this <laughs> uh, again classic john's retconning coming <laughs> coming up here um 
for all this stuff, essentially. Um, but yeah, so um, you know, everyone's trying to figure out exactly how they're going to stop Hal, and no one really can figure out how. But also, he's starting to convince people that maybe he's doing the right thing here. And that's important. And then we jump over to the other crew of heroes, which at this point is made up of Hawkman, Captain Adam, Superman, Kyle Rayner, The Ray, Donna Troy, Damage, and uh, Green Arrow. A, a few real, real Brian Nip. You know, damage. damage. You know, you know, I love me some damage. Um, and uh, so they're basically trying to figure out how they can stop Hal Jordan, and so. Wave Rider's idea is to um, recreate all of existence at the same time that Hal Jordan is recreating all of existence. And the way they're going to do this is by having essentially, though they'll get into more detail later, but damage is going to restart the universe with the, by recreating the Big Bang, which we'll get to in a couple minutes. So um, at this point, Hal is making his case to the heroes and people like Barbara Gordon are saying that, you know, I want to live. It's not fair that I have to die when this all ends. And Hal says, you don't have to die. Everybody can live. Everybody can, can show up here. Um, then we get, uh, another wonderful bit of dialogue here where Hal is zapped by something. And he says, a chronal energy blast. That can only mean. <laughs> yeah, so again, I'm people, telling you, you can just you know one when you see one. Yeah, people are just very, very aware of the chronal energy blast situation here, um, and so we, this is when we get the show off, just the showdown rather between the the two different teams here, and um, you know, Parallax has a few people here, like um, like Barbara Gordon, like Extant, who are. Uh, who are on his side now and, and who 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 do believe that Hal has the ability to make the world better. And I think that this would have been a much more interesting story if the miniseries was all about Hal trying to convince people that that if they remake the universe, everything could be better. Because there are some interesting conversations that happen in this issue, and this is the best Jurgens writing we get in the whole series of people grappling with this question. Do you guys think that could have been a more key part of the story? Oh, for sure, for sure. All and this stuff funny. at the end is the most interesting stuff in the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it is funny because like Hal's very much presented as the villain here, but like restarting reality because everything is bad is essentially like what the legion story is about like that's what happens like everything is so bad that they just restart reality <laughs> yeah, why not right and it's good again yeah um and i mean that's essentially like what every crisis is so yes exactly uh, yeah yeah um I don't want to play the, oh, the villain has an interesting point game, but Hal has an interesting point. Well, Hal has an interesting point after four issues of the villains having no point whatsoever. So it's sure. especially stark when compared, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right, so then after this, we get the Spectre showing up, and he tries to chain Hal Jordan, and 
basically Hal Jordan creates a specter-sized version of himself to duke it out with Hal Jordan. And which is very funny considering some things that are going to that we'll get to one day. Yes, exactly. Um and then basically they see an opening here and they decide they're going to take it and Superman, Captain Adam, the Ray and Donna Troy all shoot all of their energies into Wave Rider and then Wave Rider is basically telling uh damage that he has to um that he has to set off this this chain reaction and restart the big bang and um Oliver Queen is is trying to shoot Hal Jordan and you this is this is the other really I think heartrending part of the story is seeing Oliver Queen grapple with having to go against his old friend uh, that stuff was handled pretty well here um and he does shoot it and damage cuts loose and essentially the uh the universe is remade and we see the mm-hmm. you're... what sorry go ahead i was gonna say you're glossing over the fact that um kyle hal and oliver basically recreate the scene in dragon ball where <laughs> they kill raditz <laughs> <laughs> that's spot on oh man zero hours good now oh you recognize sorry. i've never seen that right yeah sorry brian you gotta get it you, you that gotta... was for vince and and a few of our listeners sure, no, go right ahead. i'm fine with that <laughs> <laughs> i've been dropping austin powers references so we're gonna Brian, we're gonna okay. We're gonna watch Austin Powers with Zach, and then we're gonna watch Dragon Ball Kai with you. It'll be a shorter version of the DBZ experience. It'll only be like 150 episodes instead of very manageable 270 or whatever it is. It's so good. <laughs> oh man! Um, we should say that at that moment, both Kyle and Hal disappear. We don't know where they've gone to, and then we see. Um, Barbara Gordon, Barbara Gordon uh, slips away, as does Alpha Centurion, and you know basically all the time anomalies are are fixing themselves here, and we see um, they're basically on a prehistoric Earth, but then everything kind of zaps back to normal normalcy. But when they come back, Guy Gardner is now wearing some uh, some shorts and a uh, and some like war paint, which is his new look coming out of this. We see Wave Rider try to explain what just happened, but no one really can understand it. And then we see Oliver Queen get so pissed off and uh, destroy his his bow, and that is where his story uh, leaves us here. And uh, yeah, that that's pretty much the end of Zero Hour. There there are, there's a uh, there's a fun timeline in here. Which I'm now realizing I might have to pull out and put into my DC reference library. Mm-hmm. Do, you, um, do you know who this who this person at the end of time is? Or oh, do, I I know the story behind this. Do you do you Brian? Do you go for it, bud? Okay, so this is it. It's supposed to be the new time trapper, right? Uh huh. Um, but I read somewhere and I can't remember where, but but Jurgens has essentially confirmed this. 
was that it was supposed to be the old, unparalyzed Barbara Gordon as the new okay. Time Trapper, which they never, they never ever returned to. It's funny. You'd think that somebody would have pulled that out by now. You'd think that Jeff Johns or somebody would have closed the loop on that. But one hundred percent, yeah. But apparently, it never has. Okay, what that's, if, that's what kind of what I wondered. Metal? But that would have been wild. Yeah. Oh, I hope it's in death metal. That'd be I will hoot <laughs> so loud you could hear it all the way in your home state. It is funny that there's a timeline in here, and we're ne- we're probably never going to get a timeline now. Yeah, we're never going to get we're never going to get to see that until we're uh, never going to get that sweet timeline until we get <laughs> until we get the deal on this show to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, the deal papers leak one day, and it's just in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, well, that was zero hour. And then and then we go into zero month. Yes, we do. Yeah, I I, I wish we would have had time for that. Maybe some other. You know what? We, I hope we get after death metal. I hope we get year of the zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just a whole year of zero issues. I'd love it. Let's do it. Yeah, that'd be great. They're definitely. And we get... Who's that Spawn-looking guy by by Batman? <laughs> Where is this? The the last at the end of the book. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if it's in the version you're looking at. It's on the timeline, Zach. It's after the timeline. There's like an ad for Zero Month. Oh, oh no. I, okay. Like Never mind then. Is that on the DC Universe version? I don't think so. Okay. Spawn-looking hmm. guy, though. Yeah. Screenshot that and send it to us in our uh, in our chat so we can look at it. Okay. This makes for great radio, but I am curious to see who this guy is. It's an ad for it's an ad for Zero Month. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the guy next to Batman. I see what you're uh-huh. talking about. Here, I'm sending it to Brian. Oh, that's wild. Is it in Skype or in our regular chat? Uh, yeah, regular chat. Yeah, who is that? Because uh, I can tell you who everybody else on there is. Oh yeah, um, I think is that is uh, Zeno Brood maybe? <laughs> is that a real thing? Yeah, it's on the it's on the checklist. Let's see, Zeno Brood. I'm I am reading Zeno Brood. As soon as we hang up here, <laughs> I don't think it's Zeno Brood. No, it doesn't look. Who the hell is that? What is this? How do how... zero month checklist? How do how? Oh man, I bit my Wookie. <laughs> no, my uh, my uh, Chewbacca bobblehead just fell over mysteriously in my office. Yeah, that's a. Uh, who is that character? We get, we gotta figure this out. That's not a. That's not Deathstroke, is it? <laughs> no, surely not. Like like a weird version of Deathstroke. I'm just throwing. I'm just throwing shit out there. I mean that would that wouldn't be a dumb thing to guess. But is is there any rhyme or reason to those characters being paired together? 
Like, did did Impulse number one, number zero, and Starman number zero, and Superboy number zero all come out in the same like batch? Because that might help us to figure out who no. it is. No, I well, I think like the characters on the other side. Well, there's like the new Doctor Fate. There's the new Starman. So I think there is it. What is Primal Force? Is it an Extreme Justice character? Maybe. No, I believe Extreme Justice was, like, it's just a Blue Beetle and Booster Gold in body armor. Okay. I don't think it's Primal Force either, although that is wild. What is this? It's like <laughs> Red Tornado and some other other guys. Oh, Man. I remember that book. Yeah. That was, like, one of the most image-looking DC books. It's not a Justice League Task Force character. No. It's not. Who is Gunfire? <laughs> I think some what? of these were Bloodlines characters. Oh, is that a Bloodline? That might be a... Nope. Gunfire looks like uh, Booster Gold with a gun. Yeah. Wait. Bloodline... Bloodlines didn't come right out of this, though. came before this. Before this, okay. Huh. We're just going to stay on the line until we figure this out. You you know that one of our smarter listeners is screaming at the... Yeah. Uh, Greg Matasevich is just screaming at the uh, at his iPod right now. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, why can't I... Who is on the zero month? <laughs> promo i looked up zero month and i got a uh wait a minute it might be a manhunter did the manhunters look like that well so series that series that launched following zero hour is one of manhunter is one of them yeah oh my god it is yeah it is okay it's spawn manhunter totally (laughs) Holy crap. Man. Steven. Hang on a minute. Wild. Man, Bendis, bring this back. Yeah. <laughs> Steven Grant and Vince Giorano. Yeah. There's a reason that. nobody. Look at that. There's a reason nobody remembers. Yeah. You can see the hollow foil on a, uh, <laughs> on a regular <laughs> image there in the cover. Chase Man. Lawler. Chase Lawler. That even sounds like a sounds like a country singer or something. <laughs> I don't know. Pro wrestler is what it sounds like. Yeah. Is that the name of the character? Yeah. yeah. Chase Lawler. Relatives: Billy Lawless Lawler, brother deceased. Man, that is wild. <laughs> <laughs> Occupation: guitar player, comma hero. Wow! Thank you, All right, I think database. I think we need to I think we need to suspend uh, our current event reading series and read Manhunter from 1994. Okay, this is a quote on the DC database from him. Right, I used to be called Manhunter. You may have heard of me. It was a few years back. I was cool, all claws and straps and spikes and a cape that went on for days, man. <laughs> Okay, so it is a spawn goof then. Uh, maybe. 
I, I mean, don't think it's a spawn goof. I think it's DC trying to capitalize on the spawn success. Okay. Well, seeing a, a cape that goes on for days, that's, come on. I believe that was said later. Like, I believe that was that was a retroactive comment. Okay. One of his powers is aerokinesis. He had limited, limited control of wind, allowing him to use gusts as offensive weapons or to walk on air. Just like Spawn. I don't, I'm joking. <laughs> All right. Oh, my goodness. There's a tease into this in the end of Zero Hour. So when time is being reset and everything is flying forward... It says uh, at the top of one of the pages, there's a guy who I thought was like an early version of uh, Doomsday or something like on Krypton. But net where it says 1500 years ago, a primal huntsman stalks mankind. That that character is the wild huntsman who was in this Manhunter series. Mm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Well, folks, uh, that was our uh, that was our zero hour discussion. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, look, they can't all be winners, and we're doing our best here. Um, but next time we get together, if we don't do the Manhunter saga here, we have Underworld Unleashed, which Vince mentioned earlier, and which uh, I had read. Last summer. Zach, that's a weird one. I'm warning you now. I'm going to need you guys to tell me which issues to read. Ah, I got you. We'll take care of you. All right. Well, until next time, if you want. Oh, we should also say there'll be a bonus episode coming out uh, shortly after this one or maybe before this one. I'm not sure of the exact release yet. But we're going to be doing. um, We're going to look at the first three installments of DC's new Digital First series. If you haven't heard that yet, look out for that. That'll be our bonus episode for the month of uh, May. And we have something very fun planned for shortly thereafter, uh, which Vince cannot stop talking about. (laughs) Am I wrong? You're right. You're right, baby. I can't. Let's just do it. Uh, until next time, you can find two of us on Twitter. I'm at Brian Needs an App. And I'm at Walker Fox. If you need to find Vince, you can, of course, find him uh, frantically searching for Donkey Punch after being reminded of his favorite uh, sex act that <laughs> Zach mentioned earlier. <sighs> don't, 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 try to, don't try to zero our history here. I, was, I sat here <laughs> calmly while you guys had your little fun with that one. <laughs> Look, if you just went back on Twitter, I wouldn't have to make up these perverse things you're doing instead of being on Twitter. So this I'm, is a, I'm at DC3Cast on Twitter. Yeah, we're all at DC3Cast. Uh, we are Spartacus. We are DC3Cast. And we're out of time for this week. So thanks for listening, folks. We'll catch you later. Bye. I feel like Jim Lee is an easier sell to hire us than Dan DiDio was. Because I feel like Jim Lee is so stretched thin. If three good-looking young guys with ideas come in, he's sold. Uh, who are you talking about? Well, we're going to hire models to play us. Oh, right? Your piece yeah. is in. And, uh... we, pro- we probably remind him of his, the old image crew, you know? <laughs> we... Just a couple of Rob Liefelds and well-fitting jeans. <laughs>